Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Thanks for tuning in to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Uh, before I tell you a little story about why we're starting a few minutes late today, Lieutenant, let's get a check of the weather. <coughs> WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Wind advisory in effect until 6 p.m. EDT this evening. Today, cloudy. A chance of rain or snow showers this morning, then rain showers likely this afternoon. Little or no snow accumulation. Highs in the lower 40s. West wind 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts up to 35 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 60%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a chance of snow showers. Rain showers likely, mainly in the evening. Little or no snow accumulation. Cold with lows around 30. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 60%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. Well, that was exciting. Yeah, a little bit of a, <laughs> a little rush there. We, All right. we thought we had a plan. And as, as we know from our, our experience uh, in law enforcement, specifically in tactical law enforcement, no good plan survives first contact, right? Yeah. A, a plan is simply a plan to work from. Uh, so we are going to have a guest joining us shortly, a special guest. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, but he's off on a mission right now because we arrived at the studio this morning to find that we were, we were not able to gain access. No. Um, which is odd because we normally have emergency access, but as we discussed while we were standing outside in the snow, and don't get me started on how I feel about the fact that it's snowing, um, the plan for emergency access included having the key in a readily accessible location at the station in the event of an emergency. Right. And despite the fact that we are currently living through a multi-operational period emergency event, we didn't think this morning was an emergency. And even uh, when the studio staff isn't here, because of where the building is located, normally we can get in because the neighbors are open, right? We share the building with Spectrum. Yeah. Uh, but this Spectrum location is closed, which I'm Spectrum customer, and I didn't know that. So. Yeah, I think that's pretty recent because last week they were. Yeah, last week they were here and they were doing business. Yeah. And so we uh, stood around outside in the snow. Warmed up a little bit. Brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> brainstorming, planning, right? And we implemented plan B, which yeah. was to send our guest to the station to get the emergency key. And then our friend Matt showed up before we had to implement plan C, which was to get into the back of your cruiser and get out the breaching tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had access. It just wasn't immediate access. It wasn't immediate access. And, and we didn't want to incorporate immediate access unless, you know. Un We're the police department. <laughs> we always have a key. <laughs> Sometimes right. we can't lock back up when we're done, but right. we always have a key. <laughs> All right, so um, we're late, and uh, as has been the habit for the last couple of weeks, I did not pull any specific news articles because the the news all day, every day, is we as a, a, nation, a community and a nation and a world are living in this pandemic, and, uh, and that's the day-to-day -day stuff. 
I, I did read about, though, some follow-up from what the, the story you talked about last week, uh, the Navy. Yeah. The, it, which led to the resignation of the... The resignation of the acting secretary of the Navy. Yeah. And uh, because of some of the social media groups I still follow, uh, I follow because of my association with some of those sailors and Marines, um, I received a copy of the all-hands message that was sent to the fleet from the new acting secretary of the Navy. Um, different perspective, but yeah. hopefully... Hopefully, uh, they straighten everything that's going on out there. They take care of those sailors. They get our, our carrier back into warfighting. Uh, it sits in warfighting condition now. I mean, they, they the size of the company that was evacuated, they could still go back to sea. But mission first, uh, take care of your sailors, and uh, you know, lessons to be learned from that. Yep. Lots of lessons to be learned from everybody during what's going on. I had the news cycle on this morning, and, you know, um, they don't want to delve into areas of religion, but you know, for communities of faith, this is a particular. It's Holy Week. This is a particularly holy weekend. Um, a lot of, a lot of adaptation. A lot of, you know, people who normally would be coming together, suspending eons of tradition to to learn how to support one another and practice their faith, our faith, um, remotely. It's it's not. You know, there's not. It's I don't. I I've been avoiding saying our new normal. There's nothing normal about this. This is a new paradigm. Yeah, it'll never be normal. Right. Uh, I got. Uh, my wife started sending me the the daily update that she sends to her staff in the morning, and I was reading it. And you know, different industries, but the same the same challenges. And we talked about this the last couple of weeks. You know, the technological things that we have implemented or or re-prioritized in the last several weeks, some of that's never going to leave us. I was right. uh, I was driving home last night. I was listening to the radio, the police radio, and uh, a call came in. I don't remember what the – it was a retail location. And um, the way that the call came in, all they were asking for – so I, I'm assuming it was either a shoplifting or a larceny. But the suspect had fled. And all they were asking for was for the officer to stop and identify the subject, suspect. They didn't, they didn't want the suspect arrested, and they didn't want the officer to come to the store to take the report or to issue the trespass, which, you know, a month ago would have been the two options. Right. All they wanted was a name to put in the online report. They had fully embraced the fact that they were going to complete that report themselves. They just needed something to put in the blank. Right. It's a different way of working for us. And as I was listening to that, I was like, you know what? It might even be a better way. It might be a better way. It, that may be something we just keep doing. You, you and I have had conversations with the rest of the command a lot in the last year about the fact that due to increasing call volume and our staffing struggles, we need to address or readdress and revisit the way we handle some calls. Yeah. And that's a perfect example. Yeah. Why would we ever send an officer on that again? if the tool exists. Now, we've had the online reporting thing for 13 years now. Almost it been a, that long? Almost wow. a, it was one of the first tech projects I took on when I became the chief because the sales rep was a student of mine. Like, he, he reached out for me and said, I can help you with this. And so it was very, very quickly, 2008 maybe, we signed off on that. But it was always something we had as a and if, right? Yes, of course, we're going to come take your report. But if you're at work and we can't get to you, you always had this option. It was never something that we used as a principal means of access. It was a backup. Yeah. Um, for a lot of this stuff, 
it should be the principal means of access. So we were almost, uh, and not just in our industry. Obviously, we're talking across the board, but it, we've been thrust into this, and uh, it's it, it will. Some of these changes will hang on. Yeah. So what have you been up to for the last week, Lieutenant? Because you know we talk every day, and we uh, exchange secure comm messages. But I feel like I haven't seen you at all this week. <laughs> um, you know, keeping up. I think one of the, the the biggest, and I think this is the case for for everybody. Uh, one of the, the biggest jobs is just situational awareness and keeping up with the the some like you know as we've heard the sometimes hourly changes with what's going on and um, you know uh, the command staff is um, sharing the the duties of um, representing and, and planning uh, our uh, our operational periods um, so you know I've been involved in that. Um, scheduling uh the command on that and then you know pitching in a little bit myself uh kind of keeping up with um you know some of uh the um information and changes that we have to stay up on in in the dispatch center um you know we we dispatch is obviously a, a huge um cog in our our system and huge been uh you know, fortunate so far that everybody has been healthy, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it, and I, I actually was was at the coordinating center yesterday. I was doing some work-related social media stuff. Something showed up on my feed, and I was like, oh, my God, please tell me I didn't miss this or forget this because there's been so many distractions. So as I was doing what <clears throat> I was finishing, I had Maggie get online and look something up for me. We didn't miss it. It starts this weekend. But next week, starting April 12th, is uh, National Emergency Telecommunications Operators Week. Yep. Uh, so we'll have, to, we'll have to take care and make sure that we do something to recognize our communication specialists who, you know, they don't get enough credit. They never get enough credit. You say this all the time. Uh, but for the that, before, <laughs> before three weeks ago, for the, that's open. I left it so he could just walk in. That's not open. We'll just keep talking. <laughs> the lieutenant is going out to let in our special guest. Oh, the lobby's locked. That's why. All right. So no dead air time. We have somebody joining us this morning, but to finish this, come back, lieutenant. So what I was saying about the dispatchers is that um, a public safety dispatcher, a public safety telecommunications operator, uh, is an essential part of our public safety team. They, uh, from prior to three weeks ago, for many people, if not most people, welcome. Our special guest is in studio. Uh, for many people, if not all people, um, telecommunications operator is usually the first line of contact. If you need police services, fire services, or EMS services, you call 911 or you call it on emergency number, and uh, you get this person. And one of the things that I have learned in the last 12 years that I, because I never worked dispatch, that I didn't realize is that as much stuff as police officers, firefighters, EMTs are exposed to in the field um, and the issues, uh, the, the aftermath that sometimes results is that we talk about officer resiliency and officer wellness and the need to, to come back to normal and find focus for our communicators for our emergency dispatchers it's different because they're often the first person to take that panicked call 
and they vicariously get that emotive dump, that adrenaline rush. But unlike a police officer, a firefighter who's in the field and gets some sense of closure because they're there and they get to, you know, you, you know, hopefully bring it to a, a peaceful and successful resolution. But even if it's uh, an awful resolution, they know what happened. The dispatchers usually don't get closure. They're just on to the next call. And the cumulative stress and the cumulative secondary and vicarious trauma that they live with is palpable. And we need to we need to recognize that, right? Um, it's telling, and there's there's a movement underway, and it's a movement that I support. It's telling that dispatchers are not in many areas regarded as first responders because they are certainly first responders, right? If they're the first to take the call, they're a first responder. And our dispatchers are highly trained, um, highly skilled. They've, they've got a lot of responsibility, and uh, they do deserve a week to be recognized of their own, and we got to make sure that we don't let next week go without some acknowledgement. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, they've uh, they've done a great job, and um, you know, we, we the the level to which we depend on them is um, not measurable. All right. So before we introduce our special guest and move on to um, some other stuff. One of the, so, Lieutenant, you talked about our daily conference call, right? So we have a daily command conference call towards the end of the day. Um, yesterday's was interesting. I'm not going to get into the topic, but strong opinions and strong feelings, and, and justifiably so, right? Commanders advocating for their commands, but whew, some personalities in our command. I think we're all under a, a uh, an unusual amount of stress, even if we don't recognize it right now <laughs> you think you think we're yeah. under an unusual amount of stress yeah wow yeah um you know what i said i didn't have any specific news articles i was going to talk about but i do want to draw attention to one because we had a visitor we had two visitors at the coordinating center earlier this week and the coordinating center got a little bit of press i was excited about that, that was yeah that was Ca- a good article yeah, yeah. Cap- captain brielle and it specialist mon front page yeah talking about the efforts over the last three weeks to build up that center uh from a empty shell of three rooms to a functioning communication center and a supply storeroom and a logistics center. We have some new staff over there this week, including our guest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, news article. But, again, one thing that I want to talk about from the conference call, because to anybody who's listening, anybody who hears this, I just – Mike wins pet peeve. And I just want to put this out there. Because something that came up in our conference call yesterday was the sheer amount of information overload. Sheer amount of information overload, right? And somebody jokingly said, if it's in the 60 emails that the chief sent us today, and look, I doubt I sent 60 to the command group, but if I sent 60, it was one of 260 that I was trying to wade through and receive. It's crazy. And we talked about this, right? So we'll get a situational update from the Commonwealth, and it comes out at 10 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night from the Commonwealth, from MEMA. And then I wake up the next day, and I've got the same situational update being sent to me by the Mass Chiefs. And then after I forward what I think I need to forward, 20 minutes later, I get it again from the Western Mass Chiefs. And then later in the day, some well-meaning person who's on the coordinating group attaches it to an email, and they send it to me. So now I'm not even sure, because the headings are all the same, right? So now, 12 hours later, I'm not sure if this is a new situational update or the same situational update. It's crazy. Yeah. There's nothing I can do to stop that. It's. I mean, it's good that we're getting a lot of information to, to stay up on it, but actually staying up on it yeah <laughs> reading it all is so so that's not my pet peeve but here's my pet peeve and here's my ask if you're on an email thread and for in my life this is both professionally 
and personally, because this has been happening to me a lot this week with some of my non-work-related stuff like board service. If you're on an email thread and you have a reply to the author that does not require everybody on that email thread to read, don't please reply do all. not <laughs> reply all. It's it's insane, and frankly, it's rude. Right? That's just nuts. These emails come out, and I look at it, and I'm like, okay, I need to know that piece of information. I don't have time to respond right now. And then, about eight, ten, twelve reply out, and they're not directed to the whole group. They're directed to the author. Yeah. Pause. Think. Yeah. If everybody on that thread does not need to see it, back off and hit reply. And, and you're not the first person to bring that up. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm sorry, right? You know, for if you're if you've been home and you're sheltering and you, you're stay, uh, adhering to the stay-at-home order, I get it. Because it, it's it's a flare, right? It's like I'm here, I'm here. I want everybody to know what we, we know. You're there. We get it. We don't have time to read it, so please stop. <laughs> <laughs> that that's my pitch for this week. The tip Be of the day. Because I, I I bet twenty five percent of the emails I'm getting, both on my work email and my personal email, are they fit that description? They're a direct reply to a, a single person. That is going to a group of 20 people. And then once one person does it, everybody else who wants to weigh in does it, right? And so it's bing, bing, bing. Stop. Just stop. I'm going to apologize to anybody that sends me personal email because I've completely lost. I, I, just to keep track of the, the work email. And this is, I, I guess, to a certain degree, me on a normal basis. Um, my personal email is just not very well um, uh managed we um i so you know because you guys were covering the operational period last weekend i think it was last saturday night i sat on my couch with a beer and that's all i did was clean out my my personal email accounts i just sat there and read and deleted and read and deleted and read and deleted it, it took about two and a half hours because <laughs> yeah. i hadn't i hadn't touched my phone all week all right so should we introduce our guest Absolutely. I just got to remind you that I'm going to walk out of here a few minutes before 10 to jump on that conference call again. I don't okay. want you to forget that. All right. All right so um, we have a special guest in studio with us this morning. I'm going to let him talk about how he was selected to be here with us today. <laughs> um, but ooh, that's not good. Sorry about that. Didn't put the phones on silent. Um, so we, the Pittsfield Police Department and every other police department in the Commonwealth, got word earlier this week. I think we got it on Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, that effective Wednesday, <clears throat> our academies were being closed. Now, that was a little bit of a surprise because as late as last Friday, we had been told, oh, no, the academies are staying open. But what that meant for us was that between Tuesday and Thursday morning, we had to figure out what are we going to do with the four student officers that we currently have in the Western Mass Police Academy. And uh, because we're under our emergency staffing plan, we could not cannot reassign them to 39 Allen Street. The staff separation and the force protection measures that are in place would have been violated if we had placed them, on, uh, put them on duty at 39 Allen Street. Not that we have room anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> so a uh, quick decision was made uh, Wednesday, and we decided we would put them on duty at the coordinating center. And so yesterday I came in after a quick stop at 39 Allen Street uh, and had four new personnel assigned 
to the coordinating center in a support role, and we're slowly getting them up to speed. Yesterday was kind of a, a stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, but they got a lot done for me, actually, as I was thankful for that. So at the end of the day, before we uh, shut down for the day and I released them to go home to realize that I hadn't spoken to you all day about what we were going to do for the show today, and uh, it's like, hey, <laughs> perfect opportunity here. I've got four people that we could schedule for four weeks, and uh, yeah. that's, that's guests that we don't have to worry about for the next month. Yeah. And so I walked out, and I uh, approached our four student officers. And what did I ask you, Student Officer Jones? Sir, you asked us who the most junior member was, and that was me. <laughs> because in law enforcement, seniority sometimes matters, right? Yes, sir. And so joining us in studio this morning is Student Officer Jones, uh, Pittsfield Police Department, uh, currently, currently assigned to the Central Berkshire Coordinating Center, but permanently assigned to the Western Mass Police Academy. Yes, sir. How far into your training were you? when uh, MPTC pulled the pin? We were nine and a half weeks, sir, approximately just under halfway. Just under halfway. That's frustrating. <laughs> it is. How are you feeling about it? Well, we've been on the same schedule for nine and a half weeks, so just trying to maintain that schedule uh, throughout this possibly month-long hiatus, maybe longer. We're not sure yet at this time. Yeah, nobody's sure at this time. Like Correct. the lieutenant said, situational awareness was changing daily. Now it's changing hourly. We're just kind of going with the flow, right? Yes, sir. Um, but we, we work in public safety. You now work in public safety, and that's the nature of the beast, right? Situations change, demands change, missions change, and we change with it. Have to adapt, sir. You have to adapt, right? So uh, we haven't done a staff profile in quite a while, and having a new guest in the studio gives us an opportunity to do that. Um, we'll get to why you want to be a police officer in a little bit, but let's start with the beginning. I know you, you, uh, you told me yesterday, because I said, do you know where the radio studio is? You figured it out quickly. The other three would still be trying to figure out the geography here, I think. <laughs> but you're from Pittsfield. Yes, sir. Originally? I, not originally. No. I grew up in Berkshire County. I've lived in okay. Pittsfield for approximately the past four years. Okay. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the town of Beckett. All right. A little bit different than Pittsfield. A little bit different, yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went through Beckett Washington Elementary School and then through the regional schools. I continued through Nessicus Regional Middle School and finished up at Wakona. Warrior. Yes, Yes, sir. Uh, so tell us about growing up in Beckett and going to high school at Wakona. What was that like? Very different than what I experience now. Uh, living in the middle of the woods, even by Beckett's standards, was different. A lot more you know, privacy. You know, you could ride a dirt bike around. You can't really do that in Pittsfield except for a few select locations. Definitely. Um, my friends all lived 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes away most of the time. Um, but now that I'm in Pittsfield, everything's right there. I need to go to the store, five minutes away. I need to come here to the radio station, <coughs> five minutes five away. Five minutes away, it's yeah. great. So I just, it, we can't pass up this opportunity because you said you can't really do that, riding dirt bikes and ATVs in Pittsfield. That's a good observation because you can't really do that despite all of the hundreds of people who do regularly do that. It is, in fact, unlawful. And, you know, we, we don't generally chase for that. But we probably can figure out where you live, and the environmental police and Pittsfield police are not above paying you a visit, so just bear that in mind. It's a good PSA. Well done inserting that in there. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So when you're in high school, if I, you know, I'm going to ask a question because I don't want to make assumptions, but so you grew up out in the woods, a little different life? Yes, sir. Dirt road, Dirt. surrounded by woods. Yeah. Nearest neighbor was a vacation house. and So, so are, are you one of the Berkshire people who, you know, your recreation time is outdoors, 
dirt bikes, fishing, hiking, hunting? Or were you more like, you know, me and my friends just like hang out, get into trouble kind of thing? At the time, it was definitely a lot more outdoors, go fishing with my dad, ride dirt bikes. I don't really partake in either of those anymore. Haven't in several years. But ride my bicycle around the yard or down the street. There wasn't a ton of traffic down my road. Um, again, being a dirt road. So really outdoorsy nature Not so much anymore. No. Uh, having a life, family, three children, young children changes things. So it's harder to do those same things. You're, you're a comp- you're a relatively young man. You have three kids already? Yes, sir. Good on you. Impressive. <laughs> 30 years old, so I don't know if that counts as super young, but... That's, that's still pretty young. Um, all right, so finishing up with high school, <clears throat> did you play sports in school? I did. I uh, yeah. played several sports throughout my youth, baseball, football, basketball, soccer. I chose to continue with football up until the end of high school. Really enjoyed that the most. Played everything. for Coach Campbell. I did. Uh, it changed halfway through my senior year. It was Coach Morrison. Yeah. Um, that was around the time he moved down to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I forget exactly where, um, but he's back now. He's helping coach down there. So, so. so Coach Campbell Sr., Gary Sr., was my high school coach. Okay. So okay. I, I have a, a, a bond going back with the Campbell family. Okay. Yeah multi-generational football experience yeah. going on in here yeah. yep <laughs> good, good football in Berkshire County so yes. after high school what'd you do I attended Westfield State College at the time for a couple of years I didn't finish up there um, and then I ended up working in retail a few years I attended the part-time police academy at Western Mass and I ended up working as a part-time slash reserve officer for the town of Hinsdale and the town of Beckett when were you uh, on the job at Hinsdale uh, approximately the past seven years, so almost. You, so you worked for Chief Rathbun mostly. Correct. Were you there for Chief Padati? No, that was before my time, okay. sir. Okay. So interesting. There's an interesting backstory there. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you mentioned that. I'm thinking, in my mind, that was like three or four years ago, yeah. but no. <laughs> yeah. A little bit longer than that. Yeah. So. Um, Padati, actually. It's, I mispronounced it. Um, so you you worked part-time in Beckett in Hinsdale. Yes, um, sir. Would you have go? Well, obviously, you also were starting a family while you were doing that. Yes, sir. You have three kids. Yes, sir. How old? I have two twins. They're five years old. That's Ava and Brant. And then I have a two-year-old. His name's Brian. Nice. All right, so I got to ask: Have you been taking advantage of story time with the PPD? Uh, no, I haven't. Actually, just realized. I, I'll be honest. Uh, going to the academy. I'm living a very sheltered life right now. As, as you should be. Right. <laughs> trying to stay very focused, not really spending a lot of time on social media, but I just realized what that was, and I'll have to make use of that. Maybe you could get Lieutenant Traversa to submit another reading. I knew this was coming up. I, I did see the, you on the, there, the, Lieutenant Traversa. The, the, well, the chief sent me a message yesterday basically challenging me you know, to step up my game because my, my amount of submissions has not... Uh, Met with his his expectations, so I uh, well, I'll we, take care of that this weekend. We started with four people who were very eager to help me out. We're <laughs> down to three. <laughs> <laughs> so to the listeners, I'll get some out this weekend for next week. Okay. Um, a couple of issues I got to take care of. One being this growing mop on my head. I think I'll just wear a hat. But okay. I recommend wearing a hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this may be the weekend I break out my clippers again. I don't think I've used them since the academy. So. Yeah. All right. So um, then you decided that you were going to take a chance and come on with us. 
Yes, sir. Uh, I lived in Pittsfield at the time, and I wanted to be a full-time police officer and really pursue my dream of doing that. Uh, I took the civil service test, took a couple years just because the way the list worked and scores work, and here I sit today. So we've, only, we've spoken about this a couple times on the air. First time taking the civil service exam? No, it was not. No. It was actually the third, third time. time. I skipped one in between, so it should have technically been four because I took one right when I turned 21. I skipped the next one. And then uh, the one I got hired off of was the very next test, and I took it again after that because I didn't have just any in, status update. Right, just in case. Yes, and I actually scored higher on the latest one right. I took, ironically so, enough. So, Well, if we'd use the latest test, then you wouldn't be here today. I'd be one of your classmates. Correct, <laughs> correct. But I'd probably be in the next group That's at right. the very least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to reemphasize that, right, it's a long, drawn-out process once you decide to take the test. It doesn't matter where you're going to work. You know, many of us had to take the test more than once. Um, lots of people stay on those lists for five, six, seven-plus years before they get a shot. Uh, and then when you do get a shot, that's just it. You're getting a shot. It's no guarantee, right? Yes, so sir. you went through the, the process. Yes. From, from the time we... You commun- the city communicated with you and said whatever you know whether it was sign the list or send us an email accepting this. However, we did it for this most recent or for the, your group. How long between the time you contacted the city and said yes, I'm interested, and the time you started the academy? Um, going to the best of my recollection, would be this previous summer was the first time I heard from Pittsfield in terms of saying, "Hey, come in, sign a list if you're interested." Still in this position, we have seven positions at the time open. So I believe that was May or June. Um, We did a physical fitness test later on that summer to match the academy standards and make sure everyone was ready to go for that. Uh, The academy officially started February 10th, and originally we were scheduled to graduate July 10th, I believe, was the tentative date. And again, not knowing the current situation, I don't know if that date's changing or what's going on with that, but by then, it'll be just over a year right. since the initial contact. So not a quick and easy process. No, sir. It's not like because I get this, I get this question in the community. I get this asked. So like, I can't just walk up to Thirty Nine Allen Street and apply for a job. No, you cannot. <laughs> we we don't even have an employment function within the organization. The employment function exists within the city government in the city's personnel and, and human resources office, and we don't start until we get the civil service test, right? Until we get the certified list, we have no involvement in the process at all, other than like sending out the poster, right? We, we, but we get that from the state and we send it out on behalf of the state and they take care of everything up until the point they certify that list and then we start. I'm gonna give a plug here for our website. Uh, student Officer Pasuik, who is on, has been on the radio uh, show and, and is you know, waiting to go to uh, one of the other academies it was scheduled to be, I think, last week, um, and, and obviously that's been delayed as well. But he, um, based on his experience with the hiring process, uh, put on uh, the Pittsfield Police website, so it's uh, pittsfieldpd.org, a, um, a page to describe the hiring process. So for any of the listeners out there who... Um, want to refer back to what we're talking about here and the, the, the different um, steps of the process and why it's so lengthy, go to that webpage and read all about it. So, All right. It's, um, 
about halfway through our adjusted time <laughs> since we started late. So this is probably a good point for us to take a break, take another check of the weather, station identification and a PSA. And then we'll be back for the last uh, few minutes of our abbreviated shortened morning program. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Wind advisory in effect until 6 p.m. EDT this evening. Today, cloudy. A chance of rain or snow showers this morning. Then rain showers likely this afternoon. Little or no snow accumulation. Highs in the lower 40s. West wind 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts up to 35 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 60%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with the chance of snow showers. Rain showers likely, mainly in the evening. Little or no snow accumulation. Cold with lows around 30. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 60%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are bringing Restaurant Rush back. Mark your calendars for Wednesday, May 13th for an evening of great food, music, raffles, and more at the Tavern of the A on Crane Ave in Pittsfield. If you're a local restaurant, we want to hear from you. This is your opportunity to showcase a dish in front of over 100 guests. Space is limited, so call 413-445-4234 today to reserve your spot and make sure your restaurant is represented at PCTV and WTBR's Restaurant Rush. We're back. We are. We're back. We're live. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. I was remiss at the, I can't say the top of the hour, at the top of the show as we were hustling to get in here a couple minutes late and do any introductions. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, commanding officer of the Communications, Outreach, and Professional Standards Bureau. Good morning. Sound engineer extraordinaire. I don't know about that. We have a special <laughs> guest in studio this morning, Student Officer Jones of the Pittsfield Police Department, who has recently been reassigned from the academy to the uh, Central Berkshire Coordinating Center due to the fact that the academies were shut down this week by the Municipal Police Training Committee because of the COVID-19 uh, situation. Uh, there were some students within the system that tested positive or were reported for exposures and erring on the side of caution, with an abundance of caution, uh, they shut the academies down and sent the student officers home. So uh, it was it was a quick decision, and uh, there was a little little juggling to make it work. But we're here now, and that's kind of the the reality that we've been dealing with, right? Yeah, it's uh, the new norm <clears throat> is the unknown. All right. So, student officer Jones, um, half just under halfway, nine and a half weeks into the academy. Yes, sir. And uh, you are. Uh, and you're in the Western Mass Academy, which for our listeners who have 
listening regularly, they'll know that that's at Springfield Technical Community College. Currently, it's at Stick. It might be getting moved. We've we've learned, but we'll see what happens with that. And uh, you are in what we would refer to the the new curriculum. You're, you're one of the first classes to go through the program in this new. I don't know how to dis- the situational learning based model. Uh, it's a modular. It's based on chapters and a lot more interactive role plays than in the traditional police academy. So we don't, neither of us has any experience with that other than reading the curriculum, going through the instructor development program. So tell us a little bit about what the academy was like for you when you got there. Like what was the first week like? Yes, sir. The first week was, the first week was very long, um, very long days, early start, late end to the day, lots of extra work, um, learning how to make sure that we were squared away, if you will. So properly press our uniforms, shine our boots, have all our things in a neat and orderly fashion. Um, We did have some classes the first week, um, but again, it it was honestly a blur. Looking back now, even though it's just nine and a half weeks later, it it was a blur looking back to that first week. That's fairly typical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. going forward from there uh it's divided into three volumes if you will by the different powerpoint and instruction blocks it kind of got a little shifted around for us personally due to the covid 19 situation um it forced us towards the end of the nine and a half weeks to switch our focus from say defensive tactics on a friday to doing things we would have done later on in the academy in order to maintain proper social distancing and maintain those guidelines so just for our listeners who may not understand why that would be necessary so normally and it doesn't matter whether you're in the old model or the new model sometime within the first three weeks three or four weeks of the academy um, the use of force and defensive tactics modules would begin and at least in our academy they're traditionally held on a friday um, because there's a a lot of grunting and sweating and it generally generates a little more laundry than your average classroom day and so the ex- the the premise is send them home filthy and tired and they have the weekend to square their gear away and bring them back um but defensive tactics dt is an up close and personal hands-on kind of thing yes sir you can't really practice escort positions and arm bar takedowns or proper handcuffing and maintain six foot social distancing guidelines so they had to change the order of the curriculum right yes, stuff sir. that would be front-loaded had to be pushed off and pull stuff in from the later volumes so what did you what did you take that wasn't hadn't been originally scheduled that they pushed in there we started moving towards <coughs> motor vehicle stops we started moving towards building searches things that were typically done again towards the end of the academy um other than that a lot of it was still classroom time mm-hmm. Um, just throughout the rest of the week, uh, PowerPoint presentation with instructor and studying, take notes, prepare for any upcoming tests, do your homework. Now, in the current ACAD, and I, we had you report, and I said, you know, bring all your learning equipment, and I was, was watching as you guys kind of set up your stuff yesterday. Um, in the current academy, every student is required to have an electronic device, some type of tablet, right? That's correct. Sir. And a lot of your classroom time is based on that device actually being 
your 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 medium, your learning medium, right? Yeah. To a degree, sir. Um, we don't typically have the tablets out during the classroom instruction phase, but we are able to download the same PowerPoint presentations we go over in class. So really the note taking is for terminology or things the instructors say that may not necessarily be part of the PowerPoint or to highlight portions of that PowerPoint presentation to bring special attention to. Well, I'm happy to hear that because that's a change from the last class. The last class was required to have their tablet on the desk in front of them during class, which is incredibly, from, a, from an adult learning perspective as a trainer, it just flew in the face of everything I had been taught to use in the classroom, right? You don't, you need to minimize distractions, not maximize yeah. distractions. And some of our students who went through that previous version, they, they expressed their discontent that they were being forced to, to do that. So that's good. Thank God. Um, still, I mean, it's a police academy, so I'd have to imagine after you get through the time of getting yourself squared away, right? You, you first, you got to learn the rules, right? Yes, sir. And then as a police officer, once you learn the rules, you got to learn the law. Yes, sir. So it's still front load constitutional law, and then you roll from there into the major aspects of criminal law, right? Yes, sir. We um we did cons constitutional law phase, criminal law phase. We just finished up criminal investigations phase, and we're talking about more specialized investigations such as juveniles and sex trafficking things such as that. Right yeah. before we ended. Right before you came back, so I want to go back to something that you said that uh, during the you know the the post-COVID-19 stuff for the, so for the last three or four weeks that you had to make those modifications, they transitioned you to motor vehicle stops and building searches. Yes, sir. How much time do you think you spent on those things in the last three weeks? Uh, between classroom time and practical, about 18 hours or yeah. so. And I just I want to draw the listeners' attention to this because from a trainer's point of view and from a department administrator's point of view, that's problematic because both of those modules both of those physical skills you know, stopping the car in and of itself does not require a foundation of defensive tactics doing the building search techniques does not necessarily require a foundation of defensive tactics although your your balance stance and movement is an essential part of that but both of those things end with arrest skills both of those modules end with arrest skills. So if you're teaching the modules, but you haven't gotten to the point where you can teach the arrest skills, you there, can't finish off. The there's an opportunity to create a training scar, right. right? And so this is one of the things that when we found out that they were going to have to shift the curriculum, like you know, now we PPD, we have to be forward thinking and we need to be looking at our field training program and say, all right, they're taking the stuff out of order. That's the reality, right? That's what we do. But what's our plan going to be to address any gaps or overlaps that occurred as a result of this reordered curriculum? How do we bring them back and fix it? You know, not, not that they're going to do it wrong, but they may not be doing it the best that they can because they see things out of order, right? This is when I was at the academy, this was a fight that we had time and time again. So you're, you're where you're investing your gun belts fairly early in the academy, right? You have the mod, yes, sir. right? And so the question always was, how do you tell a student officer to start wearing their gun belt if they haven't had the class on how to set up their gun belt, which is done by the DT staff, right? So if the DT staff's not gonna come in and do the class on how to prepare your gun belt, why are they wearing their gun belt? And similarly, you know, if you're teaching skills during building searches, that require them to draw their red gun, 
but they haven't had the firearm safety program from the firearm staff, which usually comes later, what training scars are you creating? And it, you know, for people who've never been through a police academy, you're like, you know, whatever, teach them all this stuff. No, there's a reason historically that this stuff goes in a particular order because it builds on what we would never teach rights of arrest if we hadn't taught constitutional law. You can't, right? You've got to have that foundation for the rest of the stuff to make sense. Um, so it's always interesting when something happens, and there are, every academy has something happen. And you say, okay, what's out of order, and what is that going to mean? Because the students don't know, right? You, you're you're going to do what you're told by the instructors, and you're going to show up, and you're going to learn what you're expected to learn, but you won't recognize if they switch something up necessarily. And so it's always interesting. You will when you get into the field and yeah. you, know, you start playing with what you're, you have been practicing and you realize, oh, this, you know. Ex experimenting. We don't yeah. play. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to go take a conference call. All right, Chief. Nice. We only have a few minutes left. We only left, have a couple so. minutes left. All right. So, Student Officer Jones, I'll see you over at the Coordinating Center yes, briefly. Sir. Lieutenant, I'll Chief. talk to you later. Sounds good. You guys stay healthy and safe. You too. Thank you, sir. You too. So I guess the uh, what I'll end up here with in the last couple minutes, um, what is the aspect of the academy that was most unexpected? Is there anything that, that you're doing or, you know, I think going into it, you have, you talk to a lot of people, people obviously, you get some input, yes, you get a lot of advice from, um, you know, I know Sergeant Mazio spent a lot of time with your group. Um, is there one aspect of what you've experienced so far that has been, wow, I didn't, this was totally unexpected. I think I try and take away something from every single class and day to say, hey, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that before. That's really exciting to know that that's how things work. But as yeah. far as the overall academy is concerned, um, I would actually say it was probably the, the drive, just that mental aspect of having two extra hours per day to get there. Because, you know, if you're thinking about your physical training or you're thinking about the test you're about to take, you have a whole hour in your head where you're driving and you're just kind of in your own head saying, do I know this? Do I know that? You can't look at your notes. You're driving. Right. You know, um, same thing kind of when you're going home. You're thinking about what you have to do to be prepared for the next day. And you try and time budget yourself for the night and say, I need to clean and press my uniform. I need to shine my boots. I need to do this homework. I need to study for this test or this quiz. Yep. So just that whole expectation of having that much longer of a drive makes it harder for me personally to do some of those things sometimes. I have to budget my time more wisely than, say, some of my other classmates may have to do. Um, and that's been the most unexpected part for me was having that extra time to just think about what I'm going to do but not be able to do it yet, Yeah, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because you get home and you have twins. Yes, young. I have. <laughs> Three children that all <laughs> want my attention, my wife that wants my attention, yeah. and uh, unfortunately, sometimes I can't give that to them, so, you know, uh, I apologize to them, and hopefully they do understand. We've had conversations about it. They do understand that this is a temporary, don't have time to give them all the attention they desire. Right. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's been extended out a little bit. It's six months of your life. Um, it, you know, it, it, it will lessen to a certain, when you get into the FTO program, yes, there will still be a certain degree of, um, you know, additional duties or, you know, more than, than just, you know, 
showing up for a shift and, and being able to, to walk out the door when it's over or, you know, after your last call is complete. But um, it'll it'll come along for sure. So, all right, we, uh, we're just about out of time here. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. We're going to sign off. Thanks for uh, your input. And um, it's good to, you know, although the circumstances are a little unfortunate that we had to switch things up, it's good to have you. I'm sure, uh, you know, the chief is happy to have you over on uh, 2nd Street helping out. Um, so this is Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Uh, you are listening to On Patrol with the PPD on 89.7 WTBR-FM Pittsfield Community Radio. Talk to you next week. Thank you.